Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to thank and pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hi everyone and welcome to On The House, the Household Management Science Insights Podcast, produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with expert knowledge from professionals in the field. I'm your host, Gabriella Yastra, coming to you from NAM, Melbourne, Australia. Let's get started. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. We're here today to talk about smart home energy management um, with my guest today. Um, uh, before we get going, would you like to introduce yourself? Absolutely, Gabrielle. Thanks so much for having me on the show. My name is Sean McLaughlin and I am the CEO and founder of Emporia Energy based here in Littleton, Colorado, the United States. So before we get going with um, the topic, uh, we're going to do a little segment we like to call, Have You Met Sean? Um, so, uh, share the first things that come to your mind when you hear these words, um, uh, book, book, extreme ownership. Uh-huh. Do you own a lot of books? <laughs> I do. Um, I listen to a lot of books and I'll listen to them at one and a half times, but on a good year, I do over 50 books a year. Wow. Uh, what yes. book are you reading at or listening to at the moment? Well, I just finished 15 States of Consciousness, um, which is a very interesting book about this different states of life that you can find yourself in mentally and how to transition from one state to the other. So which state are you in at the moment? <laughs> well, the state that I try to be in or that I achieve to be in is for life to be working through me, right? And that's the idea that... Um, I need to be accountable for what's going on around me. I need to play a role in making things around me better, but um, understand that I'm not in control of everything. So I can't let it affect my emotions or my attitude. So through me is where you want to be. Um, being in the position of from me, which is kind of taking extreme ownership of things and making them happen, is in a bad state. And where you don't want to be is to me, where you're reacting to things that are happening around you and feeling like you're kind of maybe a victim or things are out of your control and you're not actually making differences or changes. That's the concept of the book, at least. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I think um, that's a really interesting way of thinking. I'm now going to have to go home and think about where I am in my life. <laughs> I think we all are in different states um, throughout mm. every single day, right? And the, the deal is when you can catch yourself being in the to me state, you know, how do I get up to the you know, from me and how can mm. I even get to through me, right? That's the whole idea. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'll have to have a look for that. Um, yes. What about for movie? For a movie, well, for the longest time, it's been It's a Wonderful Life. I just love It's a Wonderful Life. I watch it every holidays. My kids are now in their 20s and they laugh at me because I cry every time. You're actually the second guest who said that, so I think <laughs> I'm going to have to watch this movie. No, watch It's a Wonderful Life. Oh my goodness, Gabriella! No, I'm gonna you tonight. You got to go home and watch that. All right, um, I'll try and find some time. Um, do you listen to any podcasts? I do. Um, I like "Starting Greatness" by Mike Maples. Mm -hmm. What's that about? 
Uh, Mike is a venture capitalist, angel investor slash um, recovering entrepreneur. He was actually, I think, part of PayPal, you know, with Elon Musk and some of the other folks. And so been in and around a lot of successful uh, business startups. And his podcast is uh, one in which he interviews um, successful entrepreneurs from the past. And they talk about real things and challenging things and you know what it's really like to start and run a company and face challenges and work their ways through it. and. It's just amazing the types of guests he gets on and some of the topics that they address. Um, have you implemented anything from your from the podcast into your business? <laughs> yeah, so I, I got a chance to talk with Mike one time and and I kind of said, Mike, I'm already doing all the things that you talk about, but that's not true. <laughs> but, but it is exciting, right? Um, but one of the things that the, the way he frames things is sometimes um, a lot better than the way maybe I'll talk about it and frame them. But one of the things he talks about to build a you know a really impactful company is that you need to look out into the future and really build for a future that has yet to come, right? And so understanding you know where's the convergence of multiple technologies where an innovation is ripe to happen that can have a large impact on society and thinking forward into the future and building today for that convergence or that innovation is one of the things he talks about. So yes. Um, we're doing everything we can to build for a future that's yet to come. And that comes straight from Mike Maples. Yeah. Sounds exactly like the um, topic we're going to be talking about today. Um, so do you have a famous role model that you look up to? You, you know, I, I do. Um, I can maybe call him the, the original gangster superhero, but it's definitely Jesus. Um, so my wife and I and family, family are Christians and just love the work that Jesus did serving others. Yeah. Um, he was, um, amazing person. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and is there a course that you've completed recently or that you really enjoyed? Gabriella, I, I think I, I complete a course every single day. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. And so maybe we call it real life entrepreneurship, but through my career, mm-hmm. I've been involved in about 15 different startups. Um, today I spend most of my time with Emporia I do split a little bit with another company called Luxonis, which is working in the artificial intelligence space. And boy, we learn lessons every day, whether that be about global supply chains or UL certifications or customers' needs and wants. Um, we never stop learning and never feel like we're not in a course. Wow, that's AI. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's a fancy word. I'm not the engineer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But the company's super exciting. Maybe we'll have Brandon on your show someday. His from looks honest. Oh, yeah. I'd love to see his technology. Yeah. Sounds, um, yeah, we'll have to have a, see how, if we can fit it in somewhere into one of our topics. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's, uh, robotics is really what, you know, what we're focused on with that. And, you know, robotics is going to touch every part of our lives, even our homes, right? And how robotics is going to play a role, how we take care of our homes and keep our homes. One of the big use cases he's working on now is um, automatic lawnmowers, right? And so using his AI computer vision that the lawnmower can kind of mow your lawn by itself on a constant basis, kind of like one of those Roomba vacuums for the outside. Uh, Sounds a bit more dangerous. (laughs) It may be, it may be, but it never falls asleep, the, the computer, right? And it has 360 vision and 3D vision. And so in a lot of ways, you know, taking human error out of things can make them safer. I just remember, I just remember all the videos of cats sitting on top of Roombas and that's 
Um, <laughs> yeah, just okay. what I imagine. Touche, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So um, you, you're obviously um, working in a lot of different technologies, um, sort of touching into household management. So why is household management important? Hmm, great, great question. Um, at least here in North America, 85% of the buildings are 50,000 square feet and smaller. Now that includes some small commercial, which we also focus on. Um, but the bulk of those are residential properties. So when you think about how much square foot of living space or uh, building space that is, it's, it's quite enormous, right? And then you look at the energy that that draws, you look at the environmental impact that those homes are going to have. Um, and you look at the communities that are built around the household, it just becomes so important to focus on a healthy home and, and a home that is, you know, going to participate well within its community and society as a whole, right? The way it looks and feels and the energy that it consumes. So what do you do? So what is household, uh, what is home energy management and how do you make it smart? Yes. Well, it's it's changing drastically as we speak. I don't think home energy management is a relatively new technology um, or new idea. But the whole idea between just home energy management itself is to um, make your house more energy efficient, right? And that can start with making sure you have you know the proper windows in place, um, so you don't have drafts and the proper uh, doors and footings and high efficiency appliances and LED lighting. And those are things that have been evolving over, over decades where people are really trying to drive home efficiency. And it's mostly through conservation um, by entering into or by installing more energy efficiency appliances and in, in, in windows. Um, things are changing, right? The, the word smart has come into energy management. And what that means is that we're gonna use the internet of things and we're gonna use technology uh, to make decisions on when and how you use energy and to uh, make it much more energy efficient, right? So the idea is, um, can we alternate when appliances go on so we're not using everything all at once and setting it really large peak demand? Can we shift when we use energy so it's not all at peak hours when everyone gets home and is cleaning and, and doing homework and, and, and cooking but can we spread that energy uses out to the off-peak hours where there's not a lot of demand on the grid and energy is cheaper, right? So smart energy is interacting with your smart home appliances, smart home technology to manage when and how you use energy. So is that by um, maybe charging devices um, when the um, it's less expensive or during non-peak energy and then using the, being able to use those devices or is it setting things to work during off-peak times? Yeah, I mean, there, there's both, right? There's what we'd call, let's say, behavioral um, uh, changes, and Emporia works quite heavily on that. We have an energy monitoring device that goes into your home, and it will show you your real-time energy consumption um, all the way down to the second. So you can look at it and see exactly at any time what is running in your house and you can make conscious decisions to go, you know, turn off loads that are not being used, um, which is great for energy efficiency. You can make conscious decision. Hey, this is a peak hour. Maybe I should go pause my dryer and wait till um, later in the evening to when things are cheaper. So that's more behavioral changes where people are actually interacting and involved in that. Um, 
but we were really trying to shift it to automated energy management, right? And so we've launched three different tools. Um, one of them is a time of use management tool where you can literally program your thermostats, program your smart appliances to run during the off-peak or low-energy times of, of, of the day, right? And these are more, hey, I'm going to set it up once, and then I'm going to forget about it, right? And then I'm just going to see a monthly statement that shows what the Emporia Smart Home Energy Management System did to shift my load away from those peak hours to those off-peak hours. So more of an automated set it or forget it. Uh, you know, the second tool we have is a peak demand management tool. And this is the idea that not all your appliances or energy consumption runs at the same time. Um, my home uh, and my electric utility has a peak demand charge. So each month, part of my bill is made up of um, a dollar amount times what the maximum usage was at any time throughout the month. Right? And so we've built a tool that literally in my home lowered my peak demand by 48%. I went from 27 kilowatts, which is, is enormous, I know, but we do drive electric cars and air conditioning running it. And, um, and it went down all the way to 15%, or excuse me, 15 kilowatts, which is a 48% reduction. And my wife and I don't do a thing and we don't even know what's going on, right? It's not mm-hmm. like it's changing the temperature of my house or making things more or less convenient. And I don't even have to get off the couch and go turn something on or off. It's all automated. And when the uh, when the air conditioner kicks on, we pause the EV charger. When the oven up kicks on, we'll pause the air conditioner. Right. So we're just alternating when energy consumption takes place to manage that peak demand. Third so, tool. So, yeah. So how do you? I mean, what if you need the aircon at the same time as the oven? Or is so, the idea that it cools the house down and then it's fine to use the oven? We can absolutely uh, pre-cool the house. We, and we do that when we're shifting from off-peak to peak. Or we can actually do that through our third tool, which is excess solar generation optimization. So when you're producing more energy than you're actually using before you send it back to the grid, why not pre-cool the house, right? So you're not going to run that air conditioner. But the um, the thing is, it's, it, we make it completely controllable by the homeowner in, in really two ways, Right. You can say, yes, you can adjust my thermostat, but never more than one degree. Or some people may say, no, adjust it five degrees. And so you pre-program that into the user interface. And then the software from Emporia will manage it based on what you, you choose. And then it'll say, hey, only adjust my thermostat two degrees for a maximum of five minutes or maybe 30 minutes. But you decide how long we can adjust your thermostat and how much to meet your comfort level. Now, when you're talking about literally your oven turns on, the heating element in your oven is going to cycle on and off, right? You, it'll be on until you get to preheat, and then it'll try to keep it at that temperature, and it'll turn off and on and off and on. And the whole idea is when the heating element turns on, we pause the air conditioner. When the heating element turns off, we run the air conditioner. So you're not turning one on for two hours and one off for two hours. They're just going to cycle, right, throughout those two hours. And your house... By doing that, we'll stay within temperature the vast majority of the time. Okay. I had no idea that, I mean, I had no idea how ovens worked, honestly. <laughs> we learned all <laughs> kinds of things today. I know. It's so much more than I thought I would learn. It's a wonderful um, life and how ovens work. I, I mean, know. Like- um, so... Why, and so why do you think, other than you mentioned, you know, reducing electricity, why is it important to reduce electricity. Yeah, well, you know, again, um, 
our company is really focused on small commercial and residentials. They make up about 85% of the buildings, at least here in North America. So that's a huge segment. Um, for decades, there's been very large companies such as Siemens and Schneider and Johnson's Controls that have spent a lot of time and effort building energy management systems for large commercial and industrial buildings. But there hasn't been a really good system that fits the bill for these small commercial and residential. When I mean fit the bill, I mean a low-cost solution that's a good return on investment for every household you know, across the world. And so that's really what we have focused on is producing a great consumer value energy management tool that will help people reduce their energy consumption and um, their energy bills by 10, 15, 20%. And now, Gabriel, this is getting ready to get really serious. <laughs> we are okay. converting our, our ICE vehicles, right? Our combustion engines are converting to electric vehicles. And they're estimating just here in North America that that is going to create between now and the end of the decade a 20 plus percent growth of our electric grid, right? So our grid needs to grow by 20%. And put that in perspective, our grid really hasn't grown at all for the last 20 or 30 years. Population growth has been offset by energy efficiency, LED lighting, high efficiency appliances. So we've gone from a really stable grid to having to grow at 20%. At the same time, and rightly so, we've put forth some really aggressive climate goals that we want to meet, Right. And those climate goals are important so that we can clean up our environment and we need to have a sustainable energy grid. To meet those climate goals, we're going to have to not only grow the grid 20%, but transition away from centralized hydrocarbon power plants to renewable energy sources, right? Those renewable energy resources are not nearly as predictable as those hydrocarbon plants. We don't always know when the wind's going to blow or the sun is not out 24 hours a day and some days it does not out at all. And so how are we going to manage all this variability in this growing grid, right? Batteries can't do it alone. They're saying that, you know, they're going to have to put something like 50 terawatts of batteries on the grid in North America by 2030 to really meet those climate goals. That is an astronomical trillion dollars number, right? On the other side, we can also control demand, right? And we can hit our demand to match up to that renewable energy supply, and we don't have to install those home batteries. That being said, as we transition to electric vehicles, we're all going to have these huge batteries that sit in our garage a good portion of the day and evening, right? And so why not use smart home technology to tap into those home batteries to really match your supply and your demand, right? That renewable energy supply and that demand that usually takes place in the early evening hours. And so Emporia, as part of its smart home energy management system, is developing its bi-directional EV charger, right? So you'll literally be able to come home from work, plug your car in, and we'll draw the excess power out of your car battery to run your house during those really expensive evening hours. And then we can refill that car either in the middle of the night when energy prices are low or throughout the day when there's a lot of renewable energy on the grid, right? And so really playing a role in matching that unpredictable renewable energy with the demand profile of the typical home city state. Is that a lot? Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I'm just processing that. And I'm thinking that that would be great. Um, it's going to be great. Cause I know that, I mean, at the moment in Australia, we are having a bit of an energy crisis because right. um, we don't have enough 
no gas prices basically yeah. is the issue mm-hmm. um and so you know energy prices are skyrocketing here and i know that um yeah just electricity is very expensive at the moment so being able to um use you know store up energy um to use later you know store oh, yeah. store cheaper energy to use later would be amazing because um yeah, I mean, I'm, I know I'm, I'm at home running the washing machine at night and, um, you know, charging my laptop when I get home from work. It'd be great to use that energy um, then. Yeah, and, you know, look, gas prices, um, which can relate to uh, our oil prices, can, can obviously come through to electricity prices. You know, hydrocarbons is a finite um, commodity, right? And it's controlled by international geopolitics a lot of the times. And so the individual house owner has very little control over the energy prices, um, but they need to cook and they need to clean and they need to run their household, um, which is, is where renewables play such a great role, right? And especially when you're talking about distributed renewable and rooftop solar or micro uh, wind service. And now you're really producing your own energy at no variable cost. I mean, there is the capital cost to install it, but no variable cost for, uh, for that energy. Again, the problem is, is it always there when you need it, right? And when you have a smart home energy management system coupled with the battery or coupled with electric vehicle and a bi-directional charger, the answer is yes. Your home and your cars and your garage, when you need to use that energy, and you can pull that resource from that battery and recharge it when there's plenty of energy on the grid. And so that's the importance of smart home energy management is looking at 85% of the homes and buildings and saying they need to be managed along with the renewable energy grid and match up consumer demand. And so you're saying that you can act, so the, your smart home man- management mm-hmm. system will um, connect with like solar panels in the home as well. Correct. So our energy management system will monitor solar real time. It'll know exactly how much energy you're producing, but it also knows exactly how much energy you're using, right? And so at any given time, again, down to the, the second, we can tell if you're producing more energy than you're using. And if you are, we can turn on energy load to absorb that or store it in a home battery or your EV, right? And then if you're using more energy than you're producing, we can turn off non-critical loads, right? So you're not having to pull from the grid. And we can run those loads at a later time, such as your washer, your dryer, your dishwasher, when there is plenty of renewable energy on the grid. So you mentioned, um, you know, washers and dryers and everything. Which home appliances consume the most energy? Well, today it's definitely your HVAC system, right? Your air conditioning and your furnaces. So it's your 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 heat, your heat and air conditioning is by far the number one energy consumption. And again, at Emporia, what we've done is integrate it with third-party smart home thermostats, right? So there's some great brands out there. You can install a smart home thermostat, and now the Emporia system can control your HVAC through our software. Again, pre-cooling your home by turning down your air conditioner through that smart thermostat when you have excess solar on the roof. Um, Soon, though, that's going to change, right? When you bring home an electric vehicle, that will now supplant the HVAC as the number one energy consumption in your home. Are there... So I know in Australia, um, electric cars aren't actually that common, but they're becoming more common. How Mm -hmm. common are they in where you are? And, um, yeah, you're saying that you're expecting them to become much bigger. Yeah, well. I mean, it, it mm. is a transition that is going to accelerate really across the globe, especially in first world countries, 
throughout this decade. In the United States this year, it'll be right around 2 to 3% of all new cars will be electric, right? In China right now, they're up over 30%, right? There's parts of Europe, like the Netherlands, where they're up 70 80% of all new cars are electric, right? And then there's more government policies being pushed forward, and they're um, summer as soon as 2030, a lot of them is 2035, where all new cars have to be electric, right? And that's, again, Europe is more aggressive around the 2030 timeline. The United States is more around the 2035 timeline. The CEO of ExxonMobil just came out this week um, and said that by 2040, he believes all new cars will be electric. So it's a transition that's going to accelerate through the rest of this decade and really take root by 2030. Again, we're building for a future that's not yet here. <laughs> yep. Um, that that sort of leads to my next question. Um, what is the what is the future um, of smart um, energy management? Yeah, great question. Again, you know, we've talked about some of this already today. What we are doing is adjusting air conditioning. We're adjusting home appliances through smart home integration based on your total home energy consumption, your utility or energy prices. Um, and what the future is, is really integrating that electric vehicle into the home, right? It's the nexus between that home and that electric vehicle, which is now not only going to be your largest energy consumption, but it is also, again, going to be a great resource for you to be able to manage your energy load by leveraging that battery, right? And then it's not going to stop there, right? There's a lot of talk around virtual power plants, right? And so, Again, in North America, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission has passed a, a couple of different rulings that say within the next couple of years, um, you'll be able to aggregate individual households together and act as a virtual power plant, buying and selling power on the wholesale market on behalf of those customers. So if they have an electric vehicle and I can pull power out of their vehicle and sell it into the grid during high time periods and fill that car up during low time periods, it's going to be a real revenue stream for homeowners, right? So we're really focused on helping people save on energy bills today. And what the future holds is that we're going to pay people to allow us to manage their energy. So not only will you see your utility bills going down 30, 40, 50%, but you'll also get paid for allowing us to access your battery when the grid really needs it. And it will be a revenue stream. So that's the future of smart home energy technology is that people will literally be able to monetize their smart home devices into the power grid. That sounds great. That's, um, that sounds like the, the way that we need to be going, I think. Um, what are some misconceptions? Misconceptions? About oh, so, so, so many of them, I, I guess. I mean, I mean, the first and foremost, when people think about energy efficiency, um, they think about the way it has been done. And that is first, you know, very little savings, right? We're talking about retrofitting smart appliances and doors and windows in five, 10, 15%. Um, with a decent capital investment um, is one. Two, it is behavioral, right? You gotta take your kids to turn off the lights and they leave the room, right? You gotta you know, change your lifestyle so you're not using so much energy. And those are big misconceptions. Moving forward by leveraging smart home technology, um, you're going to be able to live the life that, that you want to live. You're not going to have to think about energy. Like I said, my wife and I lowered our peak demand by 48%, and we don't 
do anything. The computer, the software does it. And we don't notice any difference in the comfort of the house, right? We're not adjusting the thermostat to the point where it changed the comfort level during the hottest days. We're not giving control to a third-party entity. Now, the software is doing it, but I get to set all the parameters to tell the software what I want it to do. So those are the big misconceptions, right? That you can manage energy um, without having to give up comfort, without having to change your lifestyle, without having to put forth a lot of personal effort if you automate it through smart home technology. So our next section is about your habits or your practices, but it sounds mm-hmm. like you don't actually have to do anything to, um, yeah, reduce your energy. So are there any anything anything you do at home every day to um, improve your energy management or is there something that you recommend our listeners to do? Yeah, I mean, it is multifaceted, right? Um, our energy monitoring devices um, start at just $85 US and they go up to $164 US. So there's a small capital investment. Um, it does get installed inside your electrical panel, right? And so for a lot of folks, that means having an electrician come out. And so between the electrician and buying the product, there's a capital investment that you need to make. Um, you need to set it up, right? And that is... Set up the energy management tools, link your smart home devices um, to your Emporia system, set up the parameters of how much you want your temperature to fluctuate and when and how. Um, And so there's a little bit of of setup work uh, as well. And as as you buy an electric vehicle and and get an EV charger, integrating that with your Emporia system, integrating a bi-directional charger if you have solar panels. So there's initial setup and work, but, but once you have it up and running, a lot of the automated tools will take care of themselves. Um, in the meantime, there's this learning that happens when you just see your real-time energy data. And they call it vampire loads. Like, you'll be amazed that there's, like, a load in some room that you haven't been in in weeks. And you're like, what could be turned on in that room? And you'll go in and you'll find that there's some kind of pump or there's some kind of heating element that is, is on and not even being used, right? And so there's that kind of engagement. First thing, let's install the system. Let's get that real-time disaggregated data to see what energy has been consumed throughout the house and go turn off those vampire loads that are really there for no reason. And then um, and then let's do the rest of the setup so we can automate this and continue to, long after you're engaged in it, continue to save and drive energy efficiency. How long does it usually take to get everything set up? Well, it depends on the state of the home. Um, for the electrician to come in and actually install the device, you know, by the time they are standing in front of the panel and time they close the panel, it should take no more than 30 minutes. It is a very, you know, plug and play, snap on device. Now, um, if your electrical panel is labeled properly, and so we know exactly what is on each circuit, that can go relatively quickly too. That's just in the software saying, you know, this circuit is my air conditioner, this circuit is my kitchen. If it's not, then you have to do a little bit of seek and destroy. And that's where you kind of run around each room and turn on a load and see what on which circuit on the app jumps, right? And then you can label that circuit. So if the house is properly set up, you know, it's all in all, you're talking about an hour, an hour and a half. Um, if you have to run around an identified load and, and kind of reorganize your electrical panel, it can take two or three hours. Okay. Um, are there any challenges? 
Oh, it's just what I'd spoken about. Um, yeah. Not the professional electrician. We know that, mm-hmm. you know, the trades are um, short employees today. And so just organizing that and bringing them out and, uh, and, and getting it installed. It, um, we have designed around um, a specific cost point, right? We really are trying to drive what we call a consumer value proposition. And to do that, we've engineered around simplicity of hardware to keep the cost of the hardware low. And so that means our communication protocol is limited to Bluetooth and Wi-Fi, right? And so you do have to have a strong Wi-Fi signal in and around your electrical panel. That's becoming less and less of an issue with some of the modern um, network systems in homes. They're, they're so strong with these mesh networks. But you will need to make sure you have consistent Wi-Fi connectivity and that um, that Wi-Fi connectivity extends to where your electrical panel is. Those are probably the two major challenges, just the professional install and that Wi-Fi connectivity. Mm. Could be a challenge in large houses as well. Um, if you've got multiple or fading and fading and out um, of the yeah. Wi-Fi. For that Wi-Fi. So, yeah, and so you, you know, we recommend a mesh network system, right, where you put the boosters in that throughout the entire house. Um, and so we, we have a system in our house that was built by Ubiquity, and I think there's four different boosters and so now we get it in every house and every garage and out front and out back. And so that you'd be amazed about the new Wi-Fi technology for, for homes. It's it's really strong. But you will need to have, if you have a large home, definitely a kind of a mesh network system. Uh, well, we'll move on to the questions from the audience now. Okay. Um, so uh, the first question from our audience is, what is the best way to manage energy consumption? Well, you know, I'm a little bit biased on that one, and I absolutely believe it's the Emporia Smart Home Energy Management System. Again, that is installed in your electrical panel, shows you that real-time energy data, and then you compare it to your smart home appliances and devices and automate that energy management. Um, It's really hard to manage something that you can't see, right? And if you're waiting for an electric bill that comes once a month, or information that is only down to the hourly level for the whole home or building, that's tough, right? And so really getting that second-by-second data that's disaggregated down to each individual circuit is going to be necessary if you're really going to effectively manage your energy. So whether it be an Emporia real-time energy management system or a third-party system, we do recommend that. We recommend one that's going to give you disaggregated data by individual circuits so you can really identify what it is that's driving your energy costs. I think that that feeds into the next question, which was, uh, what fe- features should I be looking for when choosing an energy management soft, soft, uh, software? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, again, yeah, like you said, it kind of leads into that, that real-time data. So, you know, one second is ideal, but I wouldn't want to go over 10-second granularity, right? Because you want to be able to see exactly what's happening when your oven's kicking on and you want to have that kind of instant feedback. Um, so that's that's one thing. Disaggregation is important, right? And so that you can see loads based on your air conditioning or your, again, your kitchen or your or your barn or refrigerator or whatever you may have. Um, we're doing disaggregation through hardware, right? So we actually monitor each one of your circuits with separate 50 amp CTs. Some of the other companies in the market will do disaggregation through machine learning or artificial intelligence, where they're only monitoring the mains and they'll look for different signals, energy signals, to determine what energy has been turned on, right? So every time your oven turns on, it looks the same, or your air conditioner turns on, it looks the same. 
And so they'll see that. And so there's different ways you can disaggregate that data, but I definitely would lean towards energy monitoring system. It gives you that real-time disaggregated data, whether that be through hardware or machine learning. Do smart homes use a lot of energy or electricity? Um, they absolutely don't need to, right? So our devices, go ahead. Sorry, I just, I mean the actual system. Does it use a yeah. lot of electricity? No, no, our system, like our electric vehicle chargers are Energy Star rated. And so that's, um, it comes from the EPA in, in North America or the United States. The EPA will give you an Energy Star rating if your product meets certain energy efficiency um, guidelines. And so they are really low energy usage. If you look at our energy monitor to run it consistently, it takes literally like 10 to 12 watts of energy. So it's it's very little energy. It goes right into your electrical panel. It's It only runs less than five volts of power to power it. And our next question is, with the advancement of technology, um, is it going to make us lazier? <laughs> that's, a, that's an interesting question. Back to the fascination of the AI and, and, and robots. Um, I'm, I'm afraid it will um, make some of us lazier. Um, but, there, you know, there's a, a saying that um, robots are going to replace people or artificial intelligence is not going to replace people. People who use robots or artificial intelligence are going to replace people who don't, right? And so if you sit back and let the robot run the world, yeah, you're going to get lazy. Um, but if you're actively engaged in um, in you know, trying to make life better, trying to make your home better, um, using the, those tools for you, I think you'll stay involved and, and will stay active. That's a good answer. Um, don't let the house run you. You've got to run the house. <laughs> you got to still run the house, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, now, do you have anything else that you're passionate about? It doesn't have to be about household management. Um that you want to uh, talk about? You know, uh, I, I'm passionate about so much, as we talked about uh -huh. earlier. I mean, I mean, I love to read. I love this um, idea of the world kind of working through us all individually to help serve one another. I'm, I'm passionate about using a for-profit entity in capitalism, which sometimes um, can be replaced with, with some evil words, um, to serve others, right? And to show that it can be a tool and an instrument to, to improve lives across the world. I'm most passionate about my family. I mean, I just, I have an amazing, amazing wife and, um, and my three kids are in their twenties and starting their own lives and their own careers. And it's just so much fun to watch that happen and grow. And so, so much to be thankful for and so much to be passionate about. And Emporia is just, just one of those things. Yeah. Um, I, I have to step back sometimes and think about how lucky I am as well, you know, Amen. Um, yeah, have a great family as, as I, I'm sort of in a different position from you. Um, hopefully my parents are, um, somewhere, not somewhere there in Melbourne with me, um, <laughs> looking, being proud of me. Absolutely. Hopefully. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I um, think that that position of gratitude, um, of mm. thankfulness is the first start of kind of transitioning, like we talked about in the beginning of the call into allowing things to work through you instead of to you, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same, again, it's with the laziness at the home, right? If, if you let mm -hmm. the AI and the robots do it to you, sure. 
But if you let them work yeah. through you, you can do amazing things. So. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Um, not only have I learned a lot about smart energy management, but I've also learned a bit about myself and about, um, yeah, about how to um, grasp things. <laughs> well, I'm glad I could be helpful. And I've really yeah. enjoyed getting to know you and being on the show. And I hope some of what we talked about was helpful for your listeners. Yes, thank you. So it was great for great to um, for you to join us today, and um, thank you. All right, Gabriel, you have a great day. Thank you. You too. Bye now. You've been listening to On the House, produced by the Household Management Science Labs, a division of LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. More episodes like this from across ten life management perspectives can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, and any other podcasting apps available on your smart devices. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating, sharing, and subscribing to our channel, as it helps other people to find it so we can grow and continue to bring you quality resources. More of our work can be found on our website, hm.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Gabriella Yastra. Thanks for tuning in.